This is the I Hear Design Podcast, and I'm your host, Robert Nieminen, Chief Content Director for INS. Thank you for tuning in to another episode, and I'm honored that you've chosen to spend your time with us today as we explore different topics around the world of interior design. One of the more significant, uh, or should I say hot-button issues that I've covered in my 20-year career covering the design profession uh, has been around interior design legislation, and specifically whether or not designers contribute to the health, safety, and welfare of the general public in the work that they do. I've long since held that the view that, yes, designers have a direct impact on the safety of clients that they serve, uh, public or private. Today's episode, in my opinion, is further evidence of the need for designers, uh, and the public at large, really, to realize the tremendous importance of their work and how it impacts the safety and health of people, in this case, as it relates to the specification of upholstered fabrics uh, and flammability. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Marilyn Black, Vice President and Senior Technical and Strategic Advisor for Underwriters Laboratories and the founder of Air Quality Sciences and the Green Guard Environmental Institute to discuss some new tools that are available to designers to better understand the relationship between upholstered furniture and flammability. I don't think there's anyone that's more knowledgeable about this topic than Dr. Black, and so I think you'll find our conversation particularly helpful. Have a listen. All right. Well, hi, Dr. Black. It's good to see you again. Uh, Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm excited to be with you this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, where are you dialing in from today? Well, I'm dialing in from Atlanta, Georgia, which mm-hmm. is my home base. Great. And by home base, is that where are you working from your home office full time or your offices are located there? And are you back in the office? What's what's yeah, the, well, what's our, our offices are located here, but I'm mm-hmm. I have primarily been working from home and still am. We plan to open up our offices on September 1 and are working toward that date. However, we do have a um, toxicology laboratory where we conduct a lot of our research um, in, in Marietta, Georgia, which is right down the road. And we do have some of our scientists back in the lab, um, but, but uh, that's it. Right, right. Well, for for our listeners that may not be familiar with some of the work that you do, can you give us the quick elevator pitch on Chemical Insights and UL? Okay, yeah. So we're Chemical Insights, which is a research institute of underwriters laboratories. And we are a nonprofit organization that's really dedicated to uh, conducting research in the environmental health field. And studying emerging topic issues and developing scientific data, engaging stakeholders and bringing them together to to dialogue about various issues and then bringing all this information forward to the public and and consumers so that they can enrich their knowledge and and have an understanding of some of these complicated uh, technical issues. Right, right, which is exactly what we're uh, here to talk about today. So um, I, I was interested uh, in hearing about some of the work you've been doing lately around uh, furniture flammability. So those are you know, kind of the questions I have for you. Um, so upholstered furniture flammability and occupant safety are topics that I think are familiar to most interior designers. Can you tell us like what was the impetus for creating uh, the what's called the Furniture Flammability and Human Health uh, Task Force? Uh, w- what's the mission? Okay, well, uh, many, many of your um, viewers and may remember probably about eight to 10 years ago, considerable, considerable interest developed on in furniture flammability, kind of when the health hazards of flame retardants that were being used began to be known and discussed out in the marketplace. 
Right. And it was found that certain halogenated flame retardants um, were found to be fairly toxic to people. They were being found to bioaccumulate in human bodies, and they were being found in children's blood and mother's milk. And that really raised a lot of concern because these flame retardants at the time were known as PBDEs or polybrominated diphenyl ethers. And they were found to be associated with some pretty severe health effects such as uh, fetal development, reproductive toxicity, and, and even cancer in some cases. Um, flame retardants are known to be especially um, toxic to children because their bodies and their brains are still developing and um, flame retardants uh, act as hormone disruptors if they get into the body and kind of just disrupt the developmental systems. Mm -hmm. But flame retardants have commonly been used in upholstered furniture uh, to control primarily the flammability of polyurethane foam, which is commonly used as cushioning. Right. And um, but it's a, but cushioning can be a very combustible product as well as some of the other materials in upholstered furniture. So because of the health hazards being discussed and found around flame retardants, there was a market drive really to to remove PBDEs and other flame retardants from products. Um, and as they began to remove those particular ones that were studied in the beginning, they replaced them with a group of flame retardants called organophosphorus flame retardants or OPFRs, then that at the time they believed uh, were less toxic. Uh, however, the data began to show that they too were omnipresent being found everywhere in the environment and people systems and potentially acting also as hormone disruptors and affecting develop, development and affecting um, the, the neurological system, so they became as became known as neurotoxicants. Firefighters were also being very became very concerned about flame retardant exposure about this same time, because they were experiencing very high unusual cancer rates, especially for among the younger firefighters. So as a result of all of this, there was a push basically to remove flame retardants from upholstered furniture. Mm -hmm. because of the health issues. Now, in response to that, the fire community became very concerned um, because they were concerned that if they were just removed without any sort of replacement to control flammability, that that could, that could result in an increase in residential fires and the associated uh, injury and, and, and death and property loss that came along with that. Sure. And, we, as Underwriters Laboratories, we're a 100-year-plus safe-year-old safety company um, that has stayed true to its mission over all this time of, of helping create safe and living, living and working environments in any way that we can. So when we saw all this happening in the marketplace, we basically saw an opportunity to convene stakeholders and to understand the issue and gather the available science and conduct research that um, we as a not-for-profit institute could contribute to help fill the science information gaps. So bottom line, what do we, what, what we do in this? We wanted to help work toward achieving both fire safe and chemical safe furniture. Mm -hmm. So we didn't believe folks needed to be, able, needed to have to choose one, one safety over the other, that they both were extremely important for health and, and welfare. 
Right, right. And I was going to ask you why this particular issue was so critical, like in this moment right now, but it sounds like uh, all, all these factors have led up to it. But then there's also been this sort of interest in, in health and wellness, even before the pandemic, but now I think it's even more heightened um, that that connection between the built environment and human health seems to be at the forefront of everyone's mind. Uh, is that correct? Oh, absolutely. You know, people, uh, COVID has kind of brought the air quality and environmental, their environment issue kind of into, into their vision. They can now see it. They can now understand. And of course, people are in their environments uh, so much more of the time, especially their home environments. So yes, this has uh, been very, very uh, important at this point in time. Right, right. So, um, you know, also, you know, after uh, after after the issue became so prevalent, we began actual um, research on this particular topic, and it just so happens that all of our research data began to kind of become available in in 2020. Right. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that as well. I mean, what is the the research and data revealing? Yeah. Right? So we started researching it really over five years ago. We, 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 when we brought all the experts together, we learned that, hey, we don't know. We have a lot of anecdotal data, but there's a lot that we don't know. And so we started some research to try to fill those science gaps. Mm -hmm. And then um, we, um, after all of our research, it all came together. The data became available in 2020. About that same time, the, the U.S. furniture manufacturers started a movement to remove flame retardants from all uh, upholstered furniture in the United States because of the human health concerns of the flame retardants. But we knew that the fire risks are significant. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't think about fire. It's not top of mind. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in the United States, I, U.S. fire departments respond to around 350,000 residential fires a year. And, I, and result, that result in around 2,600 fire deaths resulting from fire and about 11,000 fire injuries. And most of those deaths occur when residential furniture is involved. So fire is significant. And, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, we're using smoke detectors. We're using fire alarms. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're using carbon monoxide monitors and we get alerts. But what we've learned is that in, in, in basically the past 10 years, although fires have kind of decreased in numbers because of, of, of those fire deaths have increased. And that's because current construction design um, is, has very a lot of open environments, and we're also using a lot of synthetic materials. Right. And that results in fires burning much hotter, much faster, and, and, and more toxic. So the emissions that come from these fires are much more toxic. And so now people have less than three minutes really to escape from a residential fire um, before yeah, it becomes impossible. Um, and, you know, 20 to 30 years ago, most people had 20 to 30 minutes to escape because we use more natural type products, uh, cottons, silks, woods that uh, were, not as, was, were not as combustible. So fire is important and, and we, you know, we, we need to get that information back into 
the the, the vision of, of everyone dealing with residential furniture. So just it's right. not just flame retardants and human health, but we also have to uh, consider consider the fire. Sure. So um, we also, you know, there are a couple the couple of other things that are happening that are driving this as well. And one of those is the concern over wildfires. And I know we all hear about it and we all know that they're very catastrophic when they happen, mm -hmm. but you know, they are beginning to develop all across our country, not just on the West Coast that you hear about or Arizona and the dry areas, but all across the country. And it's predicted that wildfires will continue to increase with the uh, climate changes that, that we may incur. And so that really calls for increased resiliency in our residential structures and, and the furnishings that, that, that go in there. So, um, you know, we, 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 we put this task group together to really look at our information, to look at the other third party information out there and help us assemble it mm -hmm. in addition to our research learnings in a way that we could um, distribute it out to interior designers kind of who thrive on creativity and, and their contributions for, for safer and healthier environments. Yes. And yes. so that's why we convened it um, and brought everyone together to, to, to help us formulate a plan forward. Right. Yeah. And speaking of disseminating the information to the design community, um, I understand that Chemical Insights has made uh, available a toolkit for designers uh, for specifying residential upholstered furniture to better safeguard human health. So can you talk about a, a little bit of what's included in that toolkit? Yeah. Well, the, 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 the toolkit is a, um, uh, it, 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 it's a collection of all of the scientific knowledge and research findings that we have available on this. When we kind of took all of that and then summarized it in a easy to read uh, format so that it could be applied for real world applications. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 the toolkit really presents a case as to why both chemical safety and fire safety must be considered when designing and using um, upholstered furniture. And it offers steps on specifying processes for achieving that solution. Uh, and my favorite part of the toolkit is really the availability of a simple decision tree that takes one through fabrication strategies that are available so that one can make the right choice on their fire, um, uh, fire process that they want to include in the furniture uh, for their need or their client's need. Right, right. Yeah, and that's, that's great. We've been running a series on how to specify in different markets. And uh, so the, this dovetails with that beautifully. One of the questions I did want to ask you, uh, Marilyn, is we've been talking about the residential application. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners uh, do work on commercial projects as well. Does the toolkit have an application for commercial uh, design? Or will there be separate resources for the commercial market coming out? Right. Well, most of the information in the toolkit is applicable to commercial furniture as well. Uh, we did have representatives from the commercial furniture industry on our task force. Um, and, uh, you know, especially the processes for fabrication and the decision tree on, on how to select materials and, and how to evaluate the toxicity of, of various things are, are, are all applicable to both. Now, the thing that's different between commercial and residential are the fire statistics and the fire hazards, right? They may change because commercial uh, construction codes and things like that 
um, may affect the, the opportunity for fire. Um, and we, so initially we wanted to address the residential market because of all of the unique vulnerabilities in, in the residential space from the elderly to the immunocompromised to the children who, 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 who maybe can't get out of a residential home within, within three minutes, right? And um, knowing that the fire risks are so great and that in general, the uh, other tools like fire detectors and smoke detectors are, are optional for many people. Many people still don't have them. Um, but so we hope that the commercial market will use our toolkit in the decision tree. It, it will be applicable. Wonderful. Okay. Um, what else should our audience be aware of in relation to this topic or to the task force and, and the work that you're doing? Uh, any other uh, topics or issues that come to mind? Well, I think there's one thing that I wanted to bring up, and many people have heard, have heard that there will be a new national fire standard that will go into effect this summer, and that's called TB 117 2013. And that is a flammability test standard that originated in the state of California. That will be adopted as a national standard this summer. Um, the test, however, under that standard is based on a cigarette smoldering evaluation to stimulate what would happen with a piece of upholstered furniture if you uh, dropped a cigarette on it or you had a smoldering cigarette that that, that, that got placed um, on, on, the, on the fabric. Right. So, you know, that particular test will be available. Products will be required to be tested to it, but it does not protect from flaming ignition that we've been talking about. And it doesn't guarantee any sort of reduced burning rate after the furniture um, becomes ignited. Mm -hmm. So we like to caution people that that particular test is kind of a, a first step, um, almost a, you know, kind of a minimal bar. But if you really want to be protected from um, flaming type of um, fires that can be very deadly and, and costly, that uh, you need to take the next step and, and look at it from a uh, flaming ignition standpoint. Sure. Okay. Um, where can our listeners go to find the toolkit and more resources to educate themselves? Well, we have a very robust website, chemicalinsights.org, where all of our materials are posted. We have resources there that include papers and e-learning modules and technical briefs on, on all these topics. And um, if, if your um, viewers can send us an email at chemicalinsights.ul.org, uh, we can send you a link to a specific landing page with all of the furniture flammability materials on it, including the toolkit. Great. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for that information, for offering your perspectives to our listeners. Um, it's always good to speak with you, Dr. Black, and thank you again for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you very much. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. Uh, for our listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. Uh, go check out chemicalinsights.org when you get a chance to learn more about this important topic. And as always, be well, everyone.